Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Merry Christmas, Keegan. Happy Happy holidays. Happy Christmas to you, Madigan. Thank you. So this episode is coming out a couple of days before Christmas. Yes. Uh, And we do know that not everybody celebrates Christmas. Madigan and I do. So happy holidays to everybody, no matter what's happening. We hope you are enjoying a good week, especially a good week off if you're off work from your respective jobs. Yes, I'm going to say the phrase... That makes me cringe every time. Happy holidays to you and yours. To you and yours. But I love that, actually. I love saying happy holidays to people. Um, Well, no, happy holidays is fine. To you and yours. Just see, I don't like it very much. It makes me cringe a little bit. You're a, I, I feel, you know, you know, I'm going to say it. What do you anybody say? who listened to our Happiest Season episode, I feel like there may be just a, a, a touch of Grinch energy um, <laughs> coming off of you, Madigan. Just a little bit. Okay. I, I have to admit it. Okay. So I, I love Christmas. I love <laughs> Christmas. But Christmas hurts me because and it's 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 sad to admit I get very sad around Christmas because it's never the same as it was when I was a kid. You know, I don't I don't have my parents together. I don't have a home in Minnesota. I don't see my family anymore. There's a lot of things and I don't have a lot of the same traditions every year now. And it's just a different feeling. So I think for me, like the the uber excitedness about Christmas just like makes me feel more depressed. Like I just don't want a part of it. You know, I bet you know? that that is more common than people think in that like there is this magic surrounding Christmas when you're a child. I feel yeah. like there is this this magical energy. Um, and I can still get back to that place on occasion when I'm really feeling nostalgic and spending a lot of time watching movies and allowing myself to really go there. But it's never going to be the same. And this year, especially, I feel like with everything that's gone on this year, I'm feeling a little blue, a little blue Christmas. Yeah. Um, just because like, I've spent most of my Christmases since moving to Los Angeles 10 years ago without my family. Right. And for some reason this year, <clears throat> I'm really like nostalgic for those Christmases yeah. with my family. Uh, yeah. For me, I feel like it's just hard because I know I'm not going to get that back. I'm not close to that part of my family anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have my dad in my life. You know, there's a lot of things that I think for me that I get overly emotional about around the holidays in general where like the overt cheerfulness gets to me Mm -hmm. Um, the very like cliched things get to me after a while like it's just too much but there are there are so many things about the holidays that I do love Um, like I have this isn't a tradition that we're going to talk about today I don't know why I didn't because it's not really a super popular one but we've always done the Christmas pickle do you know the Christmas pickle 
You know, it came up on some articles that I was reading, but I didn't include it in my notes because I've never heard of that. Why is no one? I've ne- every year since I've been born, I've done the Christmas pickle. We're I really have no clue what that is. My grandma is very German. I actually was just looking up my grandma's ancestry today, and I guess it was like her great grandfather that came from Germany to the U.S. like long before World War One. My grandparents are really old, but um, <laughs> not that far away. So we have a lot of like weird German, like I shouldn't say weird, but we have a lot of German traditions in my family. One of them being the pickle. On the tree, which I didn't know was weird. So I don't know. Wait, I know I've seen ornaments in the yeah, shape of pickles. That's is that it. what it is? That's what it is. But so you why? get so this is so the the way that we played it and the way that my mom explained it to me, I don't know if that's like the actual like way it's done in Germany, but it's like I think it's the oldest child or the youngest child, or there's some sort of rotation. Um that like whoever finds the pickle first gets to open the first present. So, oh, I see. Because the pickle is green and the tree is green, so it's hard to spot. Yeah. So you okay. have to like, so mom or dad, you know, will hide the pickle or Santa Claus or whoever you want to, you know, say hit it. And then the kids have to go find it. So for me, I was an only child, so I didn't really play that game. But I really liked being the hider and then making my parents find it and then doing it repeatedly as the tree was up throughout the month of November or December. Well, that's fun. I actually like that. Yeah, so I have two pickles because I filled in um, some people that I nannied four years ago and they had never heard of it. And so they bought me one for Christmas. And I was like, do you really think that wasn't the first ornament I bought when I moved to LA and had my own tree like that was the first thing I did because I also love pickles so still sweet though that they that they thought of you you know yeah so I have one like a regular just pickle looking one and then I have one that was dipped in glitter so cute yeah yeah so now both Max and I hide pickles when we do our tree oh I love that I think that that is so sweet so if you haven't picked up (laughs) today we are going to be talking about Christmas traditions um, and the origin of Christmas traditions and kind of where everything started, where it came from. I feel like we did touch on this a teensy tiny bit last year in our War on Christmas episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, We'll be going a little bit further in depth. Um, A lot of the information that I got was from several different history.com articles. Same. I also uh, read a Britannia, Britannica. Yes, Britannica.com. You got this, girl. Um, <laughs> article. And a LiveScience.com and a ZMEScience.com article to, to pull some of this stuff up. And I actually thought that this was a very interesting read. I, as well, yes. I found, just to kind of start with, I found uh, a website just, I think, is this where you get recipes or something? Chefin? Chefin.com? I don't know. It was a blog and it was just six different Christmas traditions and that kind of got me started and then I went from there to all of, I'm sure we read all of the same History.com articles. Of course, Wikipedia for more specific things that I wanted to get into, a couple Smithsonian articles and things like that. Um, So first of all, I want to talk about just like what a pagan is because we're going to be talking about how uh, and is it pagan or pagan? Because my A's being from Minnesota are off and I'm really self-conscious about how I say it. Pagan. Pa- yeah. Not okay. the hard A. But it, so it's not like the word bag because I used to say bag. 
Right. It's not, yeah, not pagan. It's pagan. Pagan. Okay, because I say, yeah. can I have a bag of bagels or a bag of bagels? It's hard. That's my nemesis of a sentence. Like, I can't do it. So, <laughs> pagan. Okay. So, I wrote, Mommy, what's a pagan? Well, honey, it's a sweeping term encompassing anyone from the Romans to the Norse and Scandinavia. Christians just kind of lump them all together by referring to them all as pagans. So Right. And more specifically, typically when we're talking about Christmas traditions and where they came from, I do believe that Europeans, especially Christian Europeans, eventually would go on to encompass North American indigenous people as well as other indigenous people as pagans, basically just a religion that wasn't similar to Christianity. Yeah, um, but pre, in, pre-colonization. Right. But in, in this respect, most of these traditions, most, um, with a couple of exceptions, are European are are European pagans, if we if we can say it kind of like that. So to kind of get us started, I want to kind of talk about Christmas itself and yeah. the date of Christmas because Oh girl, we got stuff to get into there. We do. Um this is this was an interesting one for me to research because as somebody who grew up very Protestant Christian, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the things that we're told about Christmas traditions, it was very apparent to me that those things are things that were told to us uh, as a justification. For instance, just for instance, and you'll see why this is a crock of bullshit yeah. later. Well, I um, was raised fucking Catholic as shit. That was the most like religious. Well, what were you told about Christmas trees, for instance? Christmas trees? Were you told anything in particular about Christmas trees? Christmas trees, I don't so much remember, but I do recall celebrating the Annunciation of Christ every year in school, which is March 25th, which is like essentially the conception of when God impregnated Mary. So that's why they were like, oh, nine months later, December 25th, like that's your birthday. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. So I remember I like mean, that's how I remember like the date being set from the celebrating deeper you that. get into this stuff, the more contradictory it is. Like yeah. you really see that. I mean, for me, for instance, Christmas trees, I was told that Christmas trees were brought in um, because of their shape. There's uh-huh. that triangle shape and the three points represent the father, the son and the Holy Ghost. Oh, no, I, I was always right? told that it was a like a, it came. They came from Germany, like the O Tannenbaum. Which is true. They did come from Germany. I think that's just what I always thought. They came from German Christians and the justification for why why Christmas trees was because of that triangular shape, Um, which Mm. all of it is just anyway. Okay, so Christmas, Christmas Day. Jesus was not born on December 25th. It is almost universally decided upon. Yeah, and there really isn't a lot of mention of there, well, there isn't any mention of his birth or and very little mention of the nativity. The only time that it's ever mentioned in the Bible at all is in Luke and Matthew. And it was written 80 years after Jesus was around, too. So, you know, you got to time. Time is not your friend. Not everything well, is going to be valid in the Bible. And in general, <laughs> they I wouldn't say- have really documented when he was born 
in the first place. No. Because it wasn't a Christian tradition to practice birthdays or yes. to celebrate birthdays. That was considered a quote unquote pagan thing to do to mm-hmm. celebrate birthdays. And especially with martyrs, you did not celebrate their birthday. You celebrated the day that they died, which is why Easter was the main holiday for Christ- for Christians. Um, well, yeah, and that's why Jesus' death. And St. Saint Nic- Saint Nicholas Day is December 6th, which did you celebrate St. Nick? day growing up with your shoes by the door very loosely loosely (laughs) I still get cards in the mail from my aunt in Kansas wishing me happy St. Nick's Day and every year I'm like my shoes were empty this morning and like what the fuck but every day I would get um stuff in my shoes if I left them out and I remember the first year I didn't get anything in my shoes because my mom knew like that the jig was up and I was so sad I was like my shoes are empty I still wanted the candy like Dude, that's one of the hardest things about growing up. I remember my mom, she would, every Valentine's Day, my brother and I would wake up and we would open our bedroom doors and there would be chocolates and like maybe a stuffed animal, like something to give us for Valentine's Day every year. And I distinctly remember the year I woke up on Valentine's Day morning and I opened my door and there wasn't anything there. And it never happened again after that because it was just like we were grown, you know? Yeah. It's one of the the big bummers about growing up, you know? (sighs) I love that my mom for Christmas still gets really into like the stockings. She still signs presents from Santa. Um, That's very cute. I love it. Like everything in the stocking is from Santa. Everything outside of the stocking is like from, you know, and it was when I was younger, even when I knew the thing about Santa, you know, it was whatever the biggest gift was, whatever like the main present that I was getting from my parents was that year. That was the one from Santa. I think that that is super cute. It's very cute. So where were we? We were talking. Oh, we were talking about the fact that Easter was the main holiday before Christmas. And so at some point, for some reason, um, during the fourth century, the person who was kind of in charge of the church decided that they wanted to institute the birth of Jesus as a holiday. And like you said, there was no mention of his birth in the Bible. I mean, we can almost definitively rule out winter because of the fact that there were shepherds herding their flock. Yeah, exactly. And that wouldn't have happened in the winter. So it doesn't really make sense. No, it doesn't. And I did read somewhere that when they were talking about uh, creating this holiday, it wasn't so much about, uh, you know, having a holiday that just so happened to fall upon that time. It was creating a holiday to veer away from some of the pagan traditions, such as like Saturnalia and winter solstice and things like that. So they saw an opportunity for popularity for another celebration. Right. And it was Pope Julius the mm-hmm. first who chose December 25th in part because it lined up with the Roman holiday of Saturnalia as well as um, the birthday of Mithra in Roman culture. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what those holidays were. So yeah. Saturnalia, um, it is a Roman holiday to honor the god Saturn, who is the god of agriculture. And this is a theme that you'll see kind of play out throughout these cultures. Um, because a lot of cultures celebrated the winter solstice because it was kind of like the it was the shortest day of the year, December mm-hmm. 21st or 22nd. 
And after that, the days started to get longer and you knew you were on the other side of winter, right? Yeah. Like if you've survived this long, um, well, and there were some areas, there were some areas too where they were saying that like the months after the solstice, like, you know, November through April or whatever were so bad that you, you know, you celebrated in December when all of your harvesting was done and you had to slaughter all of your cattle and everything like that. And you were like, we're just going to have a big feast and celebration before these like famine months come our way. Right. Yeah. And so food and drink were plentiful because like you said, no one wanted to feed their cattle throughout the winter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There was enough to try and feed themselves. So oftentimes most of the cattle were slaughtered slaughtered, um, in the weeks leading up to Saturnalia. So it would be a time where food and drink were plentiful and gifts were often exchanged. Yes. Uh, I also read, and I want to get to the gift exchanging, but I also want to add that I read that it was like topsy-turvy day. Yes, I read that too. Where it's like peasants took control of the city and schools and businesses were closed down and everyone would like, everything was upside down and crazy, which sounds like so much fun. I will mention this a little later on in the episode, but it is also a theme that we kind of saw play out later. You can see... As much as you see the ways in which Christianity have has influenced these pagan, quote unquote, pagan cultures, just know, mm-hmm. listeners, anytime I say pagan, it's just because that's it's the close. way it has been phrased in, in these articles. Um, the ways in which Christianity has influenced these pagan cultures, the same goes the other way in that for a, a long time, um, these kind of like topsy-turvy, we're going to turn the social order on its head and rich people are going to kind of pay for um, the, the fact that they're rich, basically, yeah. throughout this time, actually continued on into Christian cultures, uh, into more Western European cultures as well, awesome. like moving forward, which is, is interesting. Yeah. So uh, you had Saturnalia, which was basically a, a winter solstice festival of sorts. Yeah. And then at the same time, you had the birthday of Mithra, who was the god of the unconquerable sun. And that day was December 25th. Mm-hmm. And um, that day, it celebrated the resurgence of the sun, like I said, kind of the return to longer days. Uh-huh. And for some ro- for some Romans, Mithra's birthday was considered to be the most sacred day of the year. So it made sense yeah. for Christians to come in who were hoping to convert um, a lot of these quote-unquote pagan people it made sense to co-opt their most sacred day of the year well, and turn it into a day for them. Exactly. And we didn't get back to giving gifts because we mentioned it and I interrupted oh, yes. you. So mm-hmm. that, you know, of course, is another thing that we took from them, which I would see, you know, hey, we also have this holiday where you could celebrate each other and give gifts and things like that. So these gifts were like, it wasn't these it wasn't like everybody was getting 13, 20 presents under a tree kind of thing. It was like small gifts that you would make and give each other as a good luck charm for next year's harvest. 
I mean, and those things, the fact that we were celebrating birthdays and the fact that we were giving gifts, it actually upset a lot of Christians, like we talked about in our War on Christmas episode and how ridiculous the War on Christmas is. Yeah. Um, a lot of Puritans really rebelled against the idea of celebrating Christmas and actually petitioned against celebrating Christmas because of these things, because it seemed very worldly to be giving gifts um, and yeah. also the well, idea and they of were celebrating like, a birthday. Yeah, and they were like separatists too, right? So when when a lot of are you talking about like the early coloni- like colonizers sure, yeah. and stuff? Because I know I read that in Jamestown, John Smith did mention Christmas in one of his reports, but it was very soon after uh, the Revolutionary War. Excuse me. Well, he was alive before the Revolutionary that's, War. John yeah, Smith. that's what I'm saying. But then it was like after the Revolutionary War when they completely separated from England that they had decided to like not celebrate as many of those holidays. Or am I getting it completely backwards? I, I can't or remember. Or is it that England do, stopped celebrating? I do know I didn't that write at it one down, point, I can't remember. We talked about it last year. So yeah, give exactly. Some credit. Um, at one point... In the United States, in Boston, Mm -hmm. Christmas was not something that was celebrated. Like, it was kind of, like, outlawed in the city of Boston because of religious reasons. And it was also a fucking crazy time in New York at at some point. Again, I'm going to get to it somewhere in my notes. I don't know where it is. But I read that, like, the New York police started because of a, like, Christmas riot, that they had to like have a police force come together to fight against the riots that would happen on Christmas. So happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. <laughs> so much fun. So Saturnalia and um, Mithra's, is it Mithra or Mithra? I don't know. But her birthday, um, they weren't the only things that inspired what we now have as our traditional Christmas mm-hmm. Um Traditions. Yes. Uh, many cultures celebrated the winter solstice. In Scandinavia, the Norse celebrated Yule from December 21st, which was the winter sol- solstice, through January. And again, it was a recognition of the return of sun. Yeah. And so fathers and sons would bring home large logs and they would set them on the fire and people would feast until the log burned out, which is how we got the tradition of Yule logs. Um, I didn't and know what a Yule log was until like a year ago. Really? I, I had mean, never, I never heard of it until there was like a YouTube channel because we don't have a fireplace. So we turned on like a fireplace simulation on YouTube on our TV and it was like Yule log. They have them on Netflix now where you can like and now there's like different versions of the Yule Log that you can put on That's so that funny. play Christmas music and, and have the Yule Log. We never lit a Yule Log, but I knew what it was. This is going to be so dumb. I knew what it was because I was obsessed. I had the VHS tape of the Beauty and the Beast sequel, <gasps> which was a Christmas one. Me too. Yes. Where Tim Curry was the organ. <gasps> He was a bad guy. And I saw the behind the scenes because they played it like at the end of the movie or something and I would like stay and watch it. So I remember Tim mm-hmm. Curry. That I wore movie that bitch was out. so good. It Keegan, was you good. Just, I know. I forgot about that movie. But <gasps> she has a whole sequence in that movie where she's trying to pick out the perfect Yule log like, and it has like a hole in the middle of it so it will burn longer. And like I remembered it, it was like burned into my memory, even I t- though I never did Yule Logs. I loved that movie. And <laughs> yeah. I don't recall that one 
bits. You know, I bet it's on Disney Plus. I'm going to watch it now. Oh my <laughs> gosh. When Max is at work tomorrow, I am totally going to watch it because there's no I'm way I can make Anthony him. watch it. He'll fall asleep, but I'll put it on anyway. Yeah, I think we've learned whenever we've discussed like TV shows and movies and I'm like, I can't get Max to watch it. He just doesn't like trying new things. He has to come to it himself. If I am like, let's watch this. He's like, let me think about it. Like he Anthony's the same way, (laughs) except he will agree to watch it, but then he will fall asleep. So it's like, what's the point? You know, such a shame. Well, I was also reading about the Yule log that the Norse believed that with each spark from the log, it would represent a calf or piglet to be born the coming year. That's a lot. It's it's a lot because the Yule log could also burn for as many as 12 days. They would be monitoring it, which I think is also part of the 12 days of Christmas. I was just going to say, do you want to know what I put in my notes? The, The log could go on for 12 days, dot, dot, dot. Of Christmas. I know. I did the same thing in parentheses. I was like 12 days of Christmas question mark. And you know what? That's me speculating because nothing I read actually said that that was part of it. But no, I but we was read a weird fact. We read that same uh, history.com article where mm-hmm. that's ex- immediately what both of us thought. Totally. So I want to talk about Odin, which is another German uh, tradition because... It's the fucking creepiest thing I've ever heard in my life. So it is very upsetting. I'm like, why are you guys trying to be scared? Because it's fucking Germany. And I'm saying this because I love Germany so much. But like, they got to make shit creepy. They got to make shit weird. And like, came up with Krampus? Was it also Germany? It was Germany. I didn't actually write about Krampus because I I didn't either. I I don't know. Like, I just I feel like everybody kind of has heard of it. And I I kind of dig this Odin character. He's scary as fuck. I think I'm going to like threaten my future children with Odin if they're not good. Mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he is, again, kind of like Santa Claus depicted as being this like old bearded man. But he rode this eight legged horse named Sleipnir. No, thank you. Already, I'm out. And he would fly through the sky, and he would choose who would live and who would die. So because of this, many people would stay indoors so that they could stay safe. Um, and so I also, they could not be murdered. So they wouldn't be murdered on Christmas. Um, and then apparently kids would leave carrots and straw in their boots for the eight-legged horse. So what I'm gathering here is that you can either leave treats for Odin and his horse and get presents, or you don't and you die. So sorry if you're poor. I feel like that's all I ever hear is like, right? hey, if you don't have extra food to give this mythical horse, then I guess you're screwed. I mean, and like, how cruel are the parents that are like, you better not forget to put your like, are they threatening their children or do the parents believe this too? Like, I how far does hate, this go? I hate. First of all, I'm not a pranks person. And I'm I just either. don't like pranks. I just think that they're mean most of the time. And then two, I really don't like when people threaten their kids with stuff like that. Like, do you Me remember neither. the wrinkles, the the clown phenomenon? Yes. That happened? Yes. Where, like, if you're not good, wrinkles, will the cl- clown will come and get well, you. And, and he parents would, like, were actually call hiring. Yeah. yeah, they were actually hiring this guy to come and like stand outside their kid's window. Like that is some shit that you are going to have to work through with a therapist for yeah. the next 20 years of your life. That is and like bad parenting cool. like I am not, not here cool. I am not here to mom shame or dad shame but that is bad parenting please do not do that to your children it will fuck 
them up. So much like this tradition. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine being a little child and being so scared that night, no. hoping that Odin doesn't kill you and your family? Yeah, like the fact that it's murder. Like it's not like, oh, he's going to leave you a lump of coal in your stocking. Like whatever. Like that stuff is is fine, That's I guess. Child's like if you're play. like, hey, behave or you won't get presents whatever but like if you're like hey no he's gonna come in and slaughter all of you with an axe like that is <laughs> horrifying and not okay and I can't stand behind it so anyway <laughs> I think it's kind of fun not fun to actually do fun in theory it's a fun story I'm a big wild fan of it. that it was a thing that people did is really what it is it's Ab- like history is fascinating absolutely wild you know what else I think is wild was that the different uses for mistletoe oh so do tell (laughs) this was actually what made me think of wanting to talk about something like this with you on the episode because of one particular sentence in an article that I read and I thought it was from the same one so I feel like you would have read this as well maybe I did but um so mistletoe is known for being very healing Mm -hmm. um it's been used throughout you know the generations to help with all sorts of things, but particularly mistletoe has always been really big with fertility and fertility health. So in Rome, the mistletoe would honor the sun god, and in order to keep the sun god happy, they would perform <clears throat> fertility rituals under the sprigs of mistletoe. They're just having sex There's under mistletoe? Fucking under the mistletoe to make the sun god happy. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, I, is that a fertility ritual or is it just? It said that like the website, they said that they would perform fertility rituals under sprigs of mistletoe. That's exactly what it sounds like. It was something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. is it? And I couldn't. You know, I, I can't say I, I spent that much time on mistletoe exactly because we have a lot oh, of other I'm things we're talking certain about. certain it's what it sounds like. Yeah, but yeah. it's definitely like I can totally see why. Like if mistletoe was seen as something for fertility, performing acts of love for the sun god, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But okay, I guess I guess what's holding me up on this is I'm picturing the mistletoe being hung like over a doorway or yeah. over an archway and like that just seems uncomfortable as a woman who is 30 years old. I'm not <laughs> trying to have sex on a hard floor. So like what can you hang can you Wow, that's also uncomfortable. Who wants to fuck standing well, if, up? But, but if you're in a doorway, you could like have your hands on the Sorry, mom. <laughs> still, still, still. Okay, listen, all of our young listeners, I'm going to need you to hit that fast forward button at least three times. But like, here's the thing. I've said this before on My Worst Date, and it is that I feel like movies have given us an unreasonable expectation about having sex standing up, pushed against a wall, or whatever. It is not comfortable. Okay. No. Like, and someone it is having to support my body weight. It's not good. Well, and also, like, I mean, I know I have friends out there that can have an orgasm, like, immediately. And good for you. That's awesome. But there's no <laughs> way. There's no. And if I am standing, there's no way I want to take the time for me to get the full amount of pleasure that I no. would want. No. If it's, like, a quick, like, you're in the shower and you got to go to work. 
Listen, occasionally it's fine. But like if I have the option, could you not hang the mistletoe above a bed with a good mattress? But maybe I mean, I'm hoping that's what they did. Or like maybe what if they like put it like if they had it above a doorway or an archway, but then had like laid a mattress or like a pad on the floor I want to see in my head. I'm Are almost picturing it. Present? That I was have... the thing that I was picturing. <laughs> I'm imagining it being like an orgy with like, like a midsummer situation. Yes. Have you seen midsummer? Yes, like midsummer. But then like I picturing like garland of mistletoe going across the ceiling, okay. kind of like uh like uh planks <laughs> going across the fertility ceiling. ritual. In that like, look, you're it's a key party. You're all going to sleep with each other, and then if you get pregnant, you don't know who it was. You don't, but Have fun. But like, someone's gonna get pregnant because it's gonna help with your fertility. And these are the I'm fertility very rituals. Sorry to all of our young listeners for this entire conversation, <laughs> but it had to be had. I can't tell you how often I think about the mother who listens to this with her 13-year-old daughter. Oh, no. I can't tell you after, ever since we've read that review, every time I say something, I want to apologize specifically to that child. Well, in fairness, we did give a warning to fast forward. We so did. We if, did. You, if you did fast forward and you're hearing this right now, welcome back. Oh, okay. Amazing that we had a Christmas episode that went that much into sex. I was not ex- I was not expecting I, that. Me neither. Um, <laughs> me neither. Well, here, I can take a little bit of a, of a left turn here because the Irish would use the mistletoe as a symbol of peace and joy. And they would meet under the mistletoe with their enemies during times of war to have a truce until the next day so they would meet under the mistletoe and be like hey we're cool we're not gonna like fight each other until the next day yeah all right i feel like a lot of the rules of war i feel like it was very trusting like you're just really relying on this other person to like gentleman's code of conduct i suppose i am blown away i just watched a movie called glory recently it was like matthew Mm -hmm. broderick and um denzel yes oh it was really Mm -hmm. good very very much a white savior movie but it was a very well done white savior movie like seeing them like walk toward each other and then stopping and then firing and just standing there shooting i'm like run like i just i don't understand old-timey war well, this whatsoever. is not at all the point of this episode. However, <laughs> like I remember being told in school that that was a big and I'm sure there were I'm not a historian. I'm sure there were a lot of reasons why we, quote unquote, lost. I hate saying win or lose in wars because it's all yeah bullshit. Um, why we, quote unquote, lost in Vietnam was because we had all of these rule civility like rules oh. of like this is how war is done yeah, and I like do that's not how they that. did it over there <laughs> yeah and then we you had know, to like guerrilla like warfare interesting yeah. interesting but anyway to, let's talk more about christmas let's shall talk we? more about christmas okay what else do you want to talk about What's our so next little let's, topic? Let's talk about Christmas trees. So okay. while the modern tradition of putting up Christmas trees indoors um, during the Christmas season can be traced back to German Christians, many people do believe that the idea was originally a pagan one. So in ancient Egypt, the winter solstice, again, that's December 21st or 22nd, depending on the year, um, was considered to symbolize the return of the sun god. And they celebrated by bringing palm trees into their home. So that's kind of the first example 
of bringing kind of the outside inside yeah. during the Christmas season and then or rather the winter season. And then in um, northern Europe, the Celts decorated their Druid temples with evergreen boughs and um, that signified everlasting life. And during Saturnalia, as we discussed earlier, they also decorated their homes and temples with evergreen boughs. So yes. there is this kind of um, pagan tradition yeah. uh, or non-Christian tradition, rather, of, of bringing, bringing trees in inside. Yes. Yeah. And evergreens in particular in Europe. Yes. I also read that the Romans would hang small metal ornaments on trees outside of their homes, which would represent like the different gods or whatever that they were celebrating, or it would be like the family's patron saint. So that's kind of where the ornaments came from in some way. So that's pretty cool. And then I guess Germanic tribes would decorate trees with fruit and candles to honor Odin, that creepy motherfucker. <laughs> gotta keep him happy gotta keep him happy with fruit and candles or else he is actually gonna kill you yeah so I mean I just think it's interesting that a lot of these things this is very closely tied to our war on Christmas episode I feel yeah. like because there's so much talk about there being this attack on Christianity and this attack on Christmas and like how dare we attack these traditions um, how dare we not allow Christmas trees to go up in public places yeah. or whatever it may be when in reality the only reason that we celebrate this holiday or at least the only reason that we celebrate this holiday at the time that we celebrate it is because we, as Christians, I'll speak for myself here. Yeah. Um, and, and my people, my myself, people, I don't, I don't really <laughs> go to church anymore. Um, the only reason why we even celebrate these things is because Christians went in uh, during this time specifically to co-opt, these um, local traditions that were already in place. Well, yeah, and if, <laughs> and if we didn't have, you know, you were saying the reason we have it at this time, if we didn't have it at this time, we wouldn't have any of these um, traditions that we have that go along with them. Like, for example, Christmas carols uh, was called wassailing, which oh, yeah, yeah. is from- Which an, is also a drink that you can make. Yeah, okay, because they said that like- Wassail, yeah. Is it like mulled wine, mulled ale? Kind of. It's it's almost like, or at least the time that I had it, it tasted kind of like an apple cider. Yeah, because they were saying that like while the people were wassailing, wassailing, whatever you want to call it, they would carry around these like, you know, pitchers of like mulled wine or mulled ale with them. So wassailing is from the Anglo-Saxon phrase Weishail, meaning good health. Wassailers would roam through the villages singing loudly with the goal being to banish evil spirits and wishing good health to those around them, which is like, it's true. I feel like that's why we sing in church too. It's like singing to be joyful, to rid all of the bad and the sad in the world a little bit. Well, and there is, yeah, I, as far as like fellowshipping and singing together, I feel like it is. That's what it's called. When you're joining together in fellowship, fellowshipping, like when you're singing together at church, it's called fellowship. I'm, I was raised Catholic. There is no community whatsoever. What you do <laughs> at church is your own goddamn business. There is no well, fellowshipping. I feel like Catholics do the same thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys just do a lot of like chanting and stuff together though, but it's the same concept. It's the same concept and we sing, but the, 
I would say that Catholicism is the most, uh, probably one of the most isolated Christian religions because it really isn't about like, at least not in the churches that I grew up with, there was no youth group. There was no like get together after church with your church people. That is interesting to me. It was very much you go and you you're in your own thoughts, you're in your own prayers. And it's not like, yes, you're together because it's almost like you're proving to God that we are this group loud enough and here to support you and to love you and things like that. So no, to me, church was never, the only time that you ever really acknowledged each other was during the Our Father when you held hands. And then after that, you would do the Peace Be With You where you would shake hands with the people and around after you. that, you would wipe your hands off and put some Purell on. Oh and no, this was like pre- you never talk to your neighbor. This was pre-COVID. <laughs> I shook hands and then stuck my hand right in my mouth and just like, I was a little kid. Well, yeah, I mean, but I think there is something to be said about, like, I I feel like singing together as one, it's an ancient kind of unifying thing that people do in order to, like, because something happens. I read a Psychology Today article, actually, about it, where, like, something happens to you spiritually Mm -hmm. when a group of people are singing in unison. Yeah. I was just, well, you know I've been watching The Crown. I'm late to the game, but I've been binging it. And I just watched the episode recently where um, there was that horrible disaster in the school. Oh, gosh, in Wales. Yes, and they go and visit, and, you know, there was the hymn that was sang, and Prince Philip was very moved by it, and then the Queen listened later and was very moved by it. Because there is something about singing that can be very moving and powerful. I would say particularly when I'm the one singing and I'm in a group, there is something like, so amazing about that on that note i've gotta say a choir of children singing very different vibe for me very creepy (laughs) vibe (laughs) i don't know i i mm, scares me there's something very mature about children singing as one that is a little children of the corn to me yeah yeah you know if it's like kids at a christmas pageant that are singing off key and like swaying from side to side doing their little dance moves like but that's kids who fine. are good at it and they're harmonizing well you're like i feel uncomfortable I yeah for real so uncomfortable being around you right now um so agree that is where our caroling came from our christmas carols or we would i've never gone caroling but I, i've always really wanted to do that I have gone caroling. It can be fun, but also uncomfortable because some people don't want you there. And yeah. you can feel those vibes for real. Um, <laughs> but but uh, to go along with caroling, I think that we all know the great Christmas carol, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, yes. right? Which is like... We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Oh, we're not going to do the whole thing? Um, if you would like. You just stopped. I thought we had a moment there. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. We were. I, I couldn't tell if we were in sync because we're recording over Zoom. But And a happy new year. <laughs> I wanted to point out that carol, because there is a line in that carol that we often leave out nowadays. And that line is, um, so bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, yeah. We won't go until we get some. Right? Yeah. Uh, We won't go until until we we get get some. some. We won't go until until we get some. some. And I remember hearing that as a kid and thinking, God, that sounds pushy, right? And 
the thing is, as we talked about in Saturnalia, where everything was kind of topsy-turvy uh, and the poor would demand things of the rich and they were kind of in charge for a while. And I mentioned earlier that that did kind of cross over into Christian culture. Right. In the Middle Ages on Christmas, um, Christians would attend church and then they would... <laughs> They would celebrate in this kind of like raucous, drunken, carnival-like atmosphere that um, a lot of pages that I read kind of equated to a Mardi Gras sort of situation. And each year, a beggar or a student would be crowned the Lord of Misrule and eager celebrants played the part of his subjects. And then the poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink, which is kind of where that line in that song came from. I thought it was like kids wanting their dessert. No, no. That's how I always thought like, and bring it right. Yeah. Right, and bring it right here. And if the owners failed to comply, um, the visitors would terrorize them with mischief. And so Christmas became a time when the upper classes would have to kind of repay their debt to society to less fortunate citizens, which I'm kind of like, hashtag eat the rich. Yeah. Bring it back. You know what I mean? Okay, so another Christmas Carol's fun fact. I don't have it written down, but you know me. I have just like a wealth of Judy Garland knowledge living rent-free in my brain at all times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So one of my favorite movies of all time and favorite Christmas movies is Meet Me in St. Louis. Me too. Which I didn't know was seen as a Christmas movie until I was much, much older because they go through all four seasons and I just watched it any time of the year as a kid. I always watched it at Christmas and I think it was because Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is kind of the breakout song of that movie. Yes. Um, So I that movie is one of my very favorites. It's so great. It's one of my favorites as well. So in the song Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, when the writers were writing it. So the story is that in the movie, the family lives in St. Louis and there's the World Fair and they're all excited about it. But then the dad wants to move them all to New York. And so the kids are having a really hard time with it, um, particularly the youngest who is still like a child. So Judy is singing this song to a young uh, Margaret Hamilton, who I met as an old lady, and she signed a uh, paper doll book that I had purchased of hers. Anywho, um, so the original line in it sings, this may be your last. So it says, have yourself a merry little Christmas. This may be your last. Very dark. And Judy went to the songwriter, whoever it was, she was like, I cannot sing this to that child. I can't do it. I cannot sing it to that child. That's horrible. So they rewrote that line so that it wouldn't be quite so depressing. But fun fact, number two about that movie, to get Margaret Hamilton. I'm saying Margaret Hamilton. That's the Wicked Witch. What's her name? That's what I thought. I wasn't sure. Margaret. Her name is Margaret, though. Margaret. O'Brien. O'Brien. Margaret O'Brien. Okay. I'm so sorry, Margaret. So she was really young. Like she was maybe like six or seven when she did that movie. And after Judy is done singing, she's supposed to break down crying. And then she runs outside in the most heartbreaking scene of the movie where they made these beautiful snow people. And she starts beating them down crying. Like it makes me cry every time. That scene is heart wrenching. Um, But to get her to get to that emotional level, they told her that her dog died. And the mom Man. agreed to it. The mom agreed to it. They're like, yeah, What's whatever you got to do. with that parent? Once again, like not okay to emotionally traumatize your children. Not okay. For the sake of a good scene. I mean, the scene is great. I don't care. <laughs> 
I saw the guy. I would never actually do that, and I don't condone it, but the scene is great. It makes me cry every single time. Now, do I believe that that child could have been lured into that same scene in another way? I most definitely do. All right, that's all I have on my on my Judy Garland corner here. Uh, what should we should we get to the big the big guy? Oh, sure. Let's talk about Santa. I don't have any Santa notes, really. I have Santa notes. All righty. Do you want to know my Santa notes? Absolutely. All right. So there once was a monk by the name of St. Nicholas. He was not a saint when he was alive because that's impossible that I learned in middle school. So he was believed to be born sometime around 280 AD in what is now modern day Turkey. He was known for his charity and kindness uh, one legend says that he had inherited a lot of wealth and then gave those gave that wealth back to those in need. There I also one- wanted to po- take this opportunity to point out for everybody, um, Megan Kelly, um, who says that Santa Claus is white and can't possibly be anything but. There was nah. a digital reconstruction of St. Nicholas uh, and him having been from Turkey at that time, he would have been brown with very coily dark hair. That's so what's up. you're welcome. You are welcome. Well, then they've been depicting him wrong all along. They so have one of <laughs> one like of the better, Jesus. I know, like Jesus. Jesus is not white. Okay, one of the best known stories from the legend of Saint Nicholas is that he saved these three poor sisters from being sold into enslavement or prostitution by their father by providing them a dowry so that they wouldn't, so that they would be able to be married. So in this time, a young woman's family would have to provide something of value or a dowry to offer prospective grooms, and the more expensive the dowry, the better the husband. So. These women were about to be sold off into enslavement or whatever else. And apparently St. Nicholas uh, gave them whatever they needed to ensure a quality husband and life. His popu- what a fun time to be alive. Oh, what a great time, right? So his popularity spread through the years as he became known as a protector of sailors and children as well. His feast day, like I said, is celebrated on the day of his death, which is December 6th, which is considered a lucky day to make large purchases or get married, apparently. By the Renaissance era, he was one of the most popular saints in Europe, and he made his way into popular culture in the United States at the end of the 18th century. In December of 1773 and 1774, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor Sinterklaas on the date of his death, December 6th. In 1804, a member of the New York Historical Society named John Pintard presented an engraving of which is now a familiar-looking Santa with stockings over the fireplace. And then Episcopalian minister named Clement Clark Moore wrote the poem An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, or Twas the Night Before Christmas, which depicted Santa as a jolly old guy who flies by reindeer from home to home to deliver presents. I did also hear that there was a myth or kind of a story, um, kind of an amalgamation of all of these things where it was a woman who needed money for her dowry and hung her stocking by the fire and St. Nicholas threw coins down the chimney and it went into her stocking that was by the fire to dry and that's why we hang stockings is one of the myths around why we started hanging stockings by the fire. I'm a little confused by my Catholic upbringing because I would put my shoes out 
at night, kind of like the German kids would with Odin and put the straw and carrots in their shoes. I would leave my shoes out on December 6th to get my my treats. We left our shoes out for... What's the one that commemorates the three wise men coming in January? We left our shoes out for that. And really? and then like it, they'd put oranges in our shoes. In January? Um, Why were the wise men coming in January? Because they came after they came oh, after Jesus after was born. So you would celebrate for however many days post Christmas. Um, God, I wish I, I'm sure that there are people listening who are screaming. The oh, name. I know. I know all of this stuff. Um, but following Twas the Night Before Christmas, which apparently isn't the real name. It's just how it starts. That's just what we call it now. Um, political cartoonist Thomas Nast drew an image to go along with the poem, which shows the round man in red with a white beard with a sack full of toys. So we kind of started garnering that image like in the early 1800s around there. And then it's just kind of gone from there. But the thing that's confusing to me is that like growing up, and this has been confusing to me my whole life, St. Nicholas and Santa Claus were two different people because St. Nicholas brought me candy in my shoes on December 6th and Santa Claus brought me toys. Like I don't get how they made the jump to bring St. Nicholas into because Christmas. all of us who weren't Catholic didn't do that. <laughs> so for me, St. Nicholas and Santa Claus were interchangeable. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I was thoroughly confused because we also learned about him as a person in school. So it was kind of like, wait. <laughs> I didn't learn that St. Nicholas weird. was a, a real person until I was a little bit older, I feel oh, like. So they man. were interchangeable to me. And I grew up more on like the Santa Clauses coming to town version of how things happened. Oh, um, I see. I see. Not the Catholic version. Yeah, man, I feel like my Christmas joy was also just ruined by years of Catholicism. Like, Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, it's not fun. Christmas mass was like the worst part of Christmas. Like getting through that like hour and a half service on Christmas Eve was like the bane of my existence. And I know I've said this a million times on the show. My mom to this day still tries to get me to go to mass with her on Christmas. And I'm like... Anthony and I went once in the very beginning of our relationship, and um, we accidentally went to the bilingual service. Oh! Which took twice as long, Madigan, because everything had to be repeated in Spanish. Oh, my gosh. So we were there for a million years. Keegan, do you remember going to church together? Yes, we went to a Methodist church together. Yes, And that was like the last week that it was open. And I actually really enjoyed it because that was when I was still kind of like cool with my like religious roots a little Same. bit more. Yeah, that's um, why we went. We really enjoyed it. I don't remember who we went with, but we d- Anthony yeah. and my friend Bill Ben Gilman. Yes. Yeah. Did we go with Anthony? Yeah. I thought that we went with the other one. No, I don't think so. <laughs> the other. I don't. Th- I think he would have burned if he went through the doors mm. of a church. I don't know if we would have made it through. Also, to everyone who's yelling at their. Sorry for this chaotic episode, first of all. <laughs> and secondly, to everybody who is yelling at their whatever device they're listening to this on. Epiphany. It's called Epiphany. What's Epiphany? Is the, is the holiday that you celebrate after Christmas. Oh, Epiphany. Yes, yes. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad you thought of that. I looked it up because I'm like, I don't want to let people down. I know. Okay, so to close off this episode, I want to know, Keegan, what is your favorite Christmas present that you've ever received? 
Oh my God. You know, that's really, really hard. I've received a lot of really good Christmas presents. Um, and I'm sure I've received a lot of Christmas presents that are actually better than this one. But this one has stuck in my memory again, probably just because of that nostalgic factor of having gotten it when I was a child. Yeah. Uh, I remember one Christmas Santa, in quotes, brought me a guitar in a case that had my name embroidered on the front of it, Aww. said Keegan. And it was a little, it was a real guitar. Like but it, it was, was little. Like an, but it was small enough for me because I, I was like seven or eight. I got that for Christmas one year too, yeah. Yeah, and I, I can't say that it was the best gift I've ever gotten, but I can say because of that like magic of Christmas factor and that it excitement. being this like something that was very special for me because it had my name on it, like all of those things. And I'd wanted a guitar and I had said that I wanted a guitar, that it lives in my memory as like a very special gift. Yeah, yeah. you know, mine's actually really similar. It was when I, I think I was like eight when I got this. I was a big baby doll person, kid. Me too, loved I them. loved baby dolls. So my friend Jane had this doll that had, it was like the weight of a real baby. It had the head that went back. It had like real looking hair. You could have it be made. Yes, I to loved look those like too. You. And I was so jealous because I had the baby doll that my mom had to practice on when she was pregnant with me. And that was Abby. And I loved Abby, but I really, really wanted one of those other baby dolls. And so Christmas morning when I was probably about eight years old, I got Gracie and that was that baby doll. And I would go to Target and thrift stores and I would buy clothes for the baby. Um, I brought that baby everywhere with me. That was like my child as a kid. I was a crazy person. Um, But that was my favorite. And actually, it was probably later. I think it was later that year, definitely, that I had Santa ruined for me. And when my mom told me, you know, she was so scared that I was going to be so heartbroken and sad. But I started crying. And I guess she was like, like, are you okay?" And I was like, Thank you for giving me Gracie. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> because it was so much more special. Like, it wasn't Santa that got it for me. It was like my mom, like, knew I wanted it and, like, got this perfect present for me. It wasn't this mythical creature that, like, already knew. It was my mom. And, like, that was really special to me. So, Gracie, we still have her in a storage unit somewhere and Abby in Sun Valley somewhere. Um I love it. That was my favorite. I've, uh, I love it. Same. I've gotten, you know, jewelry and computers and... Of course. I've gotten things that are more expensive. I've gotten things that are more practical. I've gotten things that I've gotten a lot more use out of yeah. than that guitar. But there is just something about that magical feeling of getting something that you feel like is very special and meant for you yeah. at that particular time in your life. Yeah. It's um, that and one, it's beautiful. That one yeah. thing. Like, I know for me, I wanted that thing for so long and actually having it was like oh my gosh I mean I looked after that baby I think nonstop for like a week after I it was like a school break mm-hmm. and I treated it like it was a real baby I was obsessed uh, man to be a child remembering being a kid yeah exactly like was, and how special that was no wonder I grew up to be a nanny fuck that's for real <laughs> I did not grow up to be a musician so there's that I also got a guitar and not did not grow up to be a musician. I did I did learn a few chords on that guitar though, and I have my other guitar that was from my dad that I can play very little of, but I don't have to anymore. I have a boyfriend that can play it great. So That's right. <laughs> exactly. He can play all the music in the house, right? 
Uh, well, everybody, I hope that you are having a safe holiday season. I'm going to say that first and foremost. I hope that you are not gathering with your families. I hope that you are wearing masks if you are going to be seeing anybody in person and keeping your distance. At, now that I am done lecturing you all, I hope that you have a great, wonderful Happy holiday, whatever that looks like for you. I know for us, it's going to be a very different year, but we're kind of making it that way to make it feel a little less depressing and sad. Go Um, watch Beauty and the Beast, the Christmas one. Enjoy it. I'm going to do it. Tell us what you think. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I I would say I would like live, not live stream it, but like post something on Instagram tomorrow, but no one's going to hear this for a while. So that wouldn't really make any sense, but I am going to watch it. I'm excited to walk down memory lane a little bit. I can't believe you actually actually brought that movie up that's so funny to me <laughs> oh I can't I'm gonna listen to or I'm gonna go on Spotify and see what the songs are because like I know there was a song and like the big song in that movie mm-hmm. I loved it I oh can't, no for sure I can't remember what it's called or how it goes or anything right now so I'm gonna have to look that up don't worry I will watch it and send you a video <laughs> please <Don't> do worry. <laughs> please do Oh, everybody, thank you so much. If there's anything that you want to send in to us, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Get us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. You can direct message us and follow us there. We have a Facebook business and group page. Go ahead and rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y. A. N. F. Podcast. Uh, You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so, so much. If you don't already, go to Radio Public, listen to us there. And lastly, I am going to remind you to go ahead and email us or direct message us any questions that you may have for our three-year anniversary Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, As long as we can get them in by, I would say, like January 18th. I'm going to say right now, that would be splendid. So if there's anything that you've been dying to ask us, whether it be personal, whether it be, you know, related to feminism or anything like that, go ahead and send us a question and we will be answering that in about a month. Crazy. Yeah. All right. That's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to to rage rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.